Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Drew Green. Now, he got his big break as a songwriter back in 2018 when Florida Georgia Line cut his single, Colorado. That led to a publishing deal later that year, and that eventually led to a record deal at the beginning of 2020. Now, even with the shutdown, the pandemic, everything that was going on, Drew still saw success with his debut music. He released his very first EP, Dirt Boy Volume 1, and now in 2021, he just released Volume 2. We had a chance to talk to him about the journey and what it was like to sign that record deal. So please enjoy our conversation with Drew Green. Let's go back to the days at home, working on the tree farm. When did music sort of kickstart for you? Was it something that your parents always had around the house that influenced you? Or was there a moment in time that you can remember it really kicking in? Uh, Really? I just remember like my earliest memory of, you know, my mama says that I, you know, I sang uh, some, like a, a Brooks and some Brooks and Dawn from my grandpa, like when he was on his deathbed, you know, or something. Oh, really? I mean, that's like, that, that's like, you know, like my earliest, like talk backs of me singing. So I guess I've been singing since I was, you know, could talk. But uh, for me, uh, I remember just sitting in my dad's work truck, my, my little dad's little Nissan work truck, just, just running around the farm. And he'd always have like a little Sammy Kershaw or uh, Alan Jackson tape deck in the, uh, it's probably still in it. If you still, <laughs> it's probably still in it right now. Um, and we listened, like you know, to a couple albums just on repeat all the time. And I just remember singing and listening to my dad sing. My dad can sing pretty, pretty well. And just, just listening to my dad sing, and just that was probably my first intro into country music. And uh, as I got older, you know, working, you know, I had my my head, my headphones on, just driving a tractor, and that's really where I fell in love with music. Uh, listening to albums and just listening to music all day, you know. Nine, nine, 10 hours a day. It, uh, that's, that's where I fell in love with the music. And was there a point where you realized you had a voice or like you say, you had just been singing since you were young. So it was always just natural for you. Uh, I always thought I could sing pretty well or, or decently, but at the same time, I always thought I was really bad because everyone always told me to shut up because I sang all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt so. So at the same time, I was kind of, you know, had like a, an insecurity about my own voice because I felt like I love singing so much. And I thought that I could carry a tune and I loved it. And, you know, I wanted to be Alan Jackson, you know, or, you know, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I didn't think that it was a, a serious, like a, a serious, uh, role that I would be doing now. You know, I didn't, I didn't take it till serious until, until I became till college really. Right. And so growing up, not necessarily thinking of the music route, did you grow up thinking that working back home on the tree farm was what life was going to be when you grow up? Uh, you know, I mean, it was my, it was the family business and, and I was, I'm the oldest son. I have, I have a younger brother. Uh, and I mean, I knew that if, if my brother wasn't getting into it, that I would, um, I wasn't going to, my dad had put a lot of work and it's a pretty big operation. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't have left it. I would definitely be there right now for sure. If it wasn't for my brother, my brother is, is hardcore into it and he's you know, taking over the family business. And, and if it wasn't for him, I would be, I would be doing the same as well. And I'd probably be happy. I mean, I do, I do love, uh, 
that work, that life. It's just uh, I, I was in love with music and I went to college. I got a business degree uh, and met, met my wife there and uh, just fell in love with playing music. And now I saw a video clip on your Instagram that you said that since you were 12, you had yeah. this dream. Now, is there a point in that area that kind of kickstarted things for you around that age, around the start of your teenage years? Uh, I just, uh, I know, I knew I was singing a lot and I knew that, uh, I was listening to a lot of music cause I was working a lot. I, I worked a lot as a, as a, as a kid, uh, which probably led me to wanting to do music in general, trying to get off the farm. <laughs> my, dad, my dad was working my bones off. But uh, probably, like, you know, I think it was my, my freshman year of high school. So probably 16 was when I really picked up the guitar, started learning guitar. Started, I think I wrote my first song my freshman year of high school. And that was really when I fell in love with playing it and also singing it and just, you know, learning, just learning the basics. I wasn't like a you know, I wasn't super talented. I, 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 I just, you know, I liked playing country music. I didn't play out really for anyone until college. And what was that first song? Do you remember? Uh, the first song I wrote, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was called Prettiest Angel. Uh, and it was for a girl I was trying to get with, I think. And or uh, I might have been with her. I, I really don't remember, but uh, it worked. I mean, we, we were together for a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> And there was a band in high school, I believe, that it was yep. a friend's cover band. Now, was that the only band or were you sort of moving in and out of bands throughout high school, sort of testing the waters? Well, my intro into like playing live was like my best friends were all in a band. And, you know, and I was learning guitar a little bit. I really wasn't good enough to be in the band. But at the same time, I just like went, I, you know, I had farm money. I, I, had, I had a little bit of money. So I went. I saw I went and bought, you know, a, a super nice Gibson, a big Marshall half stack and was like, y'all, I'm in the band. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. You know, like we had, I remember we had, I, all I remember is having homecoming. Homecoming was coming up and my best, my, my, like my friend's band was playing homecoming and they needed another guitar player. They wanted another guitar player. There was a few guys that we were friends with trying it out. And uh, I got the gig. I was kind of like the, like the rhythm guitar player, but, but at the same time, it wasn't country. It was a, it was a, like a Polo Mud, Breaking Benjamin, Chevelle cover, like a you know oh, cover. Okay. And, and then we, and then we also, and then we, we also started writing our own music. The, the lead singer was writing his own music, and so I kind of learned a little bit of writing from him, and that from that aspect. And uh, we kind of broke up when college happened. We all, you know, one went to the army, one. We all, we all split. We saw split ways, but it was, it was good. We, we were actually really good for a garage. We were like a garage band, you know, practiced every day, like just uh, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. And you grew up pretty close to Nashville, just under two hours away. And yeah. so growing up, did you make trips in? Like, did your family go in? Did you take family vacations there? Or was it something that was sort of on the outskirts growing up? It was on the outskirts to me. You know, it, it, I, I was actually just talking about that today. Like, you know, it, it's, it, most people are not from here. And most people didn't know anything about Na Nashville. And I, did, I was kind of the same way. I knew that Nashville was the home of country music. And I knew that it was a really big music scene, but I didn't have a clue what that really was you know I, I, at, until until even almost after college so i started playing downtown and so going into college what was the point where things started to turn from just sort of playing for fun in bands and doing writing on the side to maybe this would be a cool career maybe this is something i would want to do well i started doing the you know, singing country a little bit more. Uh, started singing downtown. At, while I was in college, I was driving two hours. I kind of got a gig at Tootsie's, 
and uh, I was singing a lot and not really putting focus into school. So I had, had to quit, had to quit Tootsie's for a little bit. So I started picking up some college gigs and every, all the, the music scene, I went to school in Tennessee tech in Cookville, Tennessee. Yeah. And the music scene was actually pretty good there. There's a lot, there's a lot of bands and they were, but they were all kind of like Dave Matthews cover bands. They were all really good. And uh, there was one big college bar there called Spanky's and that's where everybody wanted to play. That was like the hot spot. And I was playing at another bar like on Tuesday nights and it started picking up traction. And the guy that owns Spanky's, heard about it and called me up and tried to get me over there. And he gave me a night. And I remember the night that I played was like, you know, college night or whatever. So it's already going to be busy, but it turned into like an absolute party. I mean, the biggest, the biggest night of like at my time was like, I mean, I, I was worried. I mean, they, they called the cops three times. There's people, <laughs> there people on the rafters. I mean, it, it was like an absolute freaking like, you know, in a hoedown. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, he hired me. He was like, I'm gonna, I want to hire you, but I can't put you on, on a college night because it's just too, like, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> right. So they put me, like, on a Wednesday, which was, like, the worst night. It turned into be, like, the new – I mean, it was uh, – it was my college was a really good learning experience for me, playing just me acoustic four hours, you know, for nothing, and uh, had a blast. I mean, and that's really where I – that's really where I thought to myself, you know, I can maybe do this. You know, I've, I've actually got a little following, like, singing other people's songs, you know, I, and I feel like maybe I could – I mean, that's where I kind of got the dream of maybe, maybe I can do this. And so how many years after college, you went out and you got a job in a bank and did the nine to five job, get a life. How many years did you do that before the promotion came up and you were like, nope, not doing that. I'm going to Nashville or I'm, I'm switching to country music because you were already working in Nashville, right? Right. Yeah, uh, I kind of, you know, I was still playing in the college bars like once a month while I was working at the bank. And, you know, I still missed it and I loved it. And uh, I started I started writing a little bit more by myself and I talked to my wife about it. And she probably knew it was coming before I did. But uh, I, I I just kept talking about it and talking about it. And she's like, well, if you just want to do it, baby, do it. And, and uh, I got promoted. So, you know, like the 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 job was great i mean i had a good future uh at a bank and i actually enjoy i actually enjoyed it but uh you know music i couldn't i couldn't just not do it you know I, it would have been i would have regretted it every day and so glad now obviously that uh that i made that decision but it was awesome and it was, was awesome that <laughs> was that around 2013 that you made that switch uh yeah 2013 i would say i graduated in 2011 so uh college in 2011 so yeah 2013 or 14 beginning of 14 i would think was whenever i said i called tootsies back up and i, I hadn't talked to him in two years and was like you know i'm trying to get you know a gig back and i i walked into the luckiest gig like six to ten tuesday thursday friday saturday the back room great band uh and which is where i met hunter phelps who had the the, the tend to close gig and he heard a song that I wrote for my wife. I mean, I, at this point, I had maybe written five songs ever. And, oh, okay. Uh, by myself, I'd never co-written before ever. And he came up to me before his gig and was like, hey, you you write a lot? And I was like, yeah, but not just by myself. I never wrote with anybody ever. And he's like, well, do you want to write tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he came uh, he came over to my house the next day. He drove like, you know, I lived in Lebanon at the time, so it's about 45 minutes. He drove to my house and we wrote and we wrote every day for a year i feel like we wrote a lot together and that's where i was I, I became obsessed with songwriting uh to another level of like where i was writing two or three songs a day i was writing all the time and 
Hunter got a Hunter's about a year ahead of me. And he signed a big a big publishing deal with Ashley Dorley, and uh, kind of he kind of helped me. You know, he's uh, he's my call. You know, he was my call at the time. You know, like what should I do now? Like, how, you know, how, who should I meet with? You know, because he was kind of he he went through the ringer a little bit before me. Because when you sign a publishing deal, they they send you to everybody, all the big writers in town, to get like you know try to find your click, where you're good at, who you're friends with. Right. And uh, and we kind of um had different paths a little bit, but we're still really close. That's awesome. And I saw the first post on your Instagram is from 2014 and it's you in the studio. Now, what was that at that point in 2014, you're starting to write, but were you also thinking about trying to start that artist career as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always, that was been the dream. That's what, you know, uh, the artist gig is what fuels my writing, but I'm obsessed with writing. So, I mean, it's like a, it kind of took over. I wrote probably a hundred songs that between that that little short period and Hunter was producing his EP at the time that he I don't think he wound up putting it out either but you know that's where you that's where it's called trial and error is what I call it. that's where you spend <laughs> that's where you spend a lot of money and realize oh I spent a lot of money why did I do that you know like <laughs> learning you know and and, and no one's who doing me I'm really I'm actually really really like almost best friends was still with a guy that produced me then. Um, and he was just that he was doing his job, you know, and uh, I spent a lot of money pr- produced an EP that we thought was really cool that me and Hunter wrote and uh, never put it out. Never. I mean, it was like, you know, I, and it, I look back on it and I know everything happens for a reason. You know, I believe in that. And uh, but at the same time, you know, I wonder what I mean, I don't know. It might have it took off. It, uh, it might have it kind of I kind of got stumped on it. Cause I had a song. I remember I remember having a song called Shake It Off and uh and it was like, you know, a big country, like line dancing kind of vibe, like a oh, okay. or a cowboy kind of thing. Oh, okay. And I was in the studio. I remember that, that year I was in the studio singing it when my, the producer came through the other, my headphones was like, Hey, come here. And I was like, dude, look. And it was Taylor Swift that just put that song out. And I was just like, I was just like, no. <laughs> and you know, at the time, you know, you're, that's when you're young and you don't, I mean, I didn't even i didn't really know my sound you know and right yeah and me 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 as an artist me as a songwriter even really and at the time you're just like my life's over you know like <laughs> you know dreams are crushed <laughs> but uh you know that's that's the definition of uh the music business of getting told no and dealing with stuff like that for a long time before you really find the yourself yeah exactly and in 2018 is when things started to get going and you did release a song in 2018 called just talking yeah now was that did you think that was going to be the kickstarter for your career or Uh, was that just a fun song to put out at that time it was kind of like my first little baby that i thought that that was like uh a different for me as a writer at the time i thought it was like you know an intro into drew green a little thing that drew green could do and no, I, I was I was deep enough into, you know, writing in the business to know that it probably wasn't going to blow me up or be, you know, be my career starter. Uh, I didn't even have a publishing deal at the time. Right. Um, I'd went through I'd went through the ringer of publishers and met with a lot of publishers at the time and uh, nothing happened. And I kind of got in a, in a down point. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to try the artist thing independently and see what happens. Um, and so I put that song out and. uh and it did good. It was a it was a cool thing. Just like it, it kind of helped. It it really didn't get help me start at the same time while while that was happening. I was also writing a lot, and the the big like my big cut, my first cut happened, and which yeah. was also independently. I, I didn't have a publishing deal, but I just 
Um, Hunter was good friends with, uh, with Hardy, with Michael Hardy. And, uh, uh, one day at a bar, we, I was just talking to them about an idea that I had and we went and wrote that song. And so Hardy and Hunter kind of helped me. I wouldn't, I definitely owe them. I wouldn't be here, probably be here talking about it at that, that one moment of me getting my first, most people have to get, you know, a lot of little cuts or like getting known more. And I, I walked right into a, a Florida George line, biggest duo, biggest band of country music at the time cut and uh you know that was a good way to start you know yeah for sure and what was the feeling when you heard that they were putting that song on hold it was crazy uh, uh i mean really <laughs> i remember i was about to have my first son so it was four years ago and uh i just remember hardy calling me and being like i don't remember 100 percent, but i know I, I was literally when i say fixing to have a baby i think i was having a baby in like 30 minutes really <laughs> yeah like i mean like really and uh but he you know but i knew he, he called me twice and i answered it and he's like yo i think he said he might have mentioned like jason aldean and kid rock might have put it on hold like we're, we're gonna do like a duo thing together or something on it like that, that was the topic and then literally you know like the, by the end of the day he called me back and was like never mind florida georgia line just put it on like hard hold they're, they're gonna cut it for sure um which i at the time i've been had so many had so many potential cuts up to that point where I'm just like, okay, you know, like I didn't take it to heart. Cause like, there's a lot of times where that the definition of national country music is, you know, this is happening, this is happening. No, it's not. Right. Yeah. Happen, you know? Like, and so it's, um, I don't, I don't, I don't take really think about it until it does anymore, you know? And, uh, but when it, I had a ride with Hunter one day and I'd almost forgotten about it in a way. Like I was for, like, you know, it'd been, it'd probably been three months since he told me that. And, I wrote with Hunter one day and he's like, hold on, I gotta swing over by Big Loud real quick, which is uh, um, a record label, which was the, at the time Florida Georgia, Georgia, Florida Georgia Line's manager worked at. And oh, so he's okay. like, I gotta swing by some papers. And I didn't think nothing about it. And I went over there and here comes Hardy walking down the street with a big old beer. And, and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, man, you lost about change, bro. And I was like, I still didn't even, it didn't even click. And I look over and Joy Boy, which is their producer, was up in this uh, studio across the street. And he's like, we're, I mean, they, they, they like surprised me, took me across the street. We got to watch them record it. It was, you know, it was, it was awesome. But wow. So you were actually in the studio when FGL recorded the song? Yeah. The, like the band, the, the full band was in there. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And so what was it like, not even that day hearing it being played, but when you heard the finished produced track, what was that moment like? We all got surprised on that because we knew that it was going to be on the album at this point. We heard him record it. We knew that it was going to be on the album. And then we knew that. So Hardy wrote another song called Simple, which was the first song of that album that came right. out. But they put they put like a little party pack of like that and a little combo. And they added Colorado with, with the first with Simple, the first release off that album, the first day. And we didn't know it until the day up. And so like and none of us did. Like not, not one of us. We didn't know it until it was out. So it just came out. It wasn't like it's coming out tomorrow. Like, like you know, the. So it was, I think I was in the middle of writing a song like at nine o'clock at night, some just grinding with somebody. And so I was like, dude, your song just came out like right now. <laughs> like at 11, it was probably 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. I was probably working. And, uh, and I remember just stop. I stopped the ride real quick. Started partying. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And that led in to your publishing deal in later in 2018 now you talk about sort of the ringer that you had been put through to that point of dealing with publishers and trying to get a deal so going into that one with warner chapel and cornman music 
what was that experience like? Were you jaded going into that or was it a pretty positive experience with them? It was really, it was really positive. As a matter of fact, three, so three years, whenever I was going through the meeting uh, two years before this, when I was meeting with publishers and it didn't work out, uh, I had met with Brett James at Cornman Music before. And I remember going home and telling my wife that day, I was like, if something ever happens where I can sign, if I could sign anywhere I want, I, Brett James would be my pick right now, like where I would go. And then two years later, uh, I wind up signing with him, and uh, he's one of my best friends now. I mean, like, it, it, for, so for a year as a songwriter, you know, going through different rights every day, you know, it's kind of hard when you write with someone. I had my little crew of guys I wrote with every day, probably, like, you know, six or seven guys, um, you know, every th throughout a week for, right. for four years. So it's really hard to go from that to the biggest songwriters in Nashville every day. And so it's a, it's a different, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a game changer for sure. And you learn a lot really fast and, uh, and you, and also, I mean, everybody has their own thing, you know, so you're teaching at the same time. That's what I love about songwriting is that you're always teaching somebody something, even if you're the best, or even, even if you're like the littlest guy in the room that's never had nothing can teach you something about songwriting. So it's, it's really cool. And that was just the first time, the first year of my, my publishing deal was awesome. I wrote so many songs. My first two years, I probably wrote six, I mean, 500 600 songs I, I, mean, I wrote three i mean it was it was ridiculous really my wife's just like please stop coming home song you know just, just, you know and uh uh i met with so brett james was my publisher but we really didn't hang that much and he, he you know he has it's a publishing company so he's got uh you know another publisher there who dealt with my day-to-day -day, uh so me turning in songs so i really didn't turn in songs to brett but i texted brett one day not even thinking about the artist uh, movement really yet at all i was really just trying to get cuts i just wanted more cuts right and uh <clears throat> you gotta get food on the table somehow you know uh, <laughs> yeah exactly uh uh so i texted him like see if you want to get breakfast one morning it's just a random text and was like you gonna get breakfast and listen to some songs that i don't think you, you might not have heard yet and just trying to get a, you know a pitch going along and uh we had breakfast and he listened to one and he said play another and literally sat there for an hour and i think i played 28 songs <laughs> really and, by about song number five, I was like, man, he's listening more than I figured he would. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean, in my eyes, you know, he's Brett James, he's got 28 number ones, you know, he's like, I mean, he don't, he's heard it all, you know, and, uh, looked up, I look up to him a lot, still do. And he was like, he just looked over at me and said, man, I think you're ready for a record deal if you want one. And <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was thinking about Princess Kenny Chesney. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, uh he was like no i really do think you're ready i've never said that but i think you're ready for a record deal yeah he's like you know i'll i'll take make some calls and see just let, let's just fish see we don't be, he don't, he don't, he's a publisher he doesn't really know much about it and i didn't know anything about it and uh he made a call monday and it was with uh jim Catino of sony uh who he was friends with and he he just kind of just said you know check this guy out see what you think and jim flipped and called him back and was like holy crap where's this guy been and he said, "We, I'll sign. We'll sign them right now." It, but we've we actually just signed like four or five people. So in order, he's like, "I will say though, like just being a friend, that if I sign Drew right now, it's going to be six months to a year before we can even look at look into him because we just signed so many people." And he said, "However, Justin Timberlake just did a merger deal with Sony, um, and his Justin Timberlake's label is called Villa Forty, and." They just did a merger label and they, they only had one act at the time. And they said, if you can get 
I think they might like Drew a lot. And uh, if they if they like Drew, if Justin likes Drew and wants to sign Drew, then maybe we can push Drew up a little bit farther because, you know, it's JT and they're, try, they're trying to get that, that project rolling, you know. And so they met – Brett met with Joe Fisher, which is the, the, the VP, I guess, of that on Wednesday, the same week. And then it went really good. And we had, he's like, they want to meet tomorrow. So I met with Sony and Villa Forty on Thursday. We had a bunch of beers and hung out and talked. And Brett told me that night, he was like, we probably won't hear anything for like three, like a month. Right. And a couple of weeks. And I was like, great. And uh, he, and then literally before I got home, he called me back and was like, hey, they want you to play at Sony at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And I was like, dude, there's no way. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I haven't. No, I don't even. I mean, I just I was a songwriter five days ago. Hold on, and, right? And so yeah. We, and now I'm I'm trying out for a record deal. He thought, you know, in my head, I'm trying out for a record deal tomorrow at eight o'clock. He's like, you got to do it. You can't say no. And I was like, you're right. And so I, he's like, meet me at Cormant at seven o'clock. And so I got there at seven a.m. and ran through some songs that I was gonna play. And I just wrote one that week, uh, called Dirt Boy. And uh, I. I said I got one that you hadn't even heard yet. That I'm, I, my gut's just telling me to play. It. I know it's right. I know I'm. I know, and if it goes right, I'm playing it. He's like, "Well, you're stupid." <laughs> He's like, "No, play this song and this song." You know, and uh, we got in there and it fell right. I did it, and uh, they kind of stopped, stopped me halfway through it, and kind of offered me a deal, like a little verbal deal, you know, just like saying they wanted to sign me. You know, so I started. You know, I teared up a little bit. It was, it was emotional. It was a moment. You know, it was, it was, it was an awesome moment. That is amazing. And so where to go from there, man, so much has happened since then. I know, I just it's said crazy. <laughs> that, was, that was the craziest week in the world, man. <laughs> really. It was a, so it was so, most people, you know, shop deals for years. I mean, I mean, or, you know, and as it was a, a week, I had a record deal in a week. And it was just, it was wild. That is insane. And so you signed that deal early 2020 I, te- I technically signed in november of 20, 2019 oh okay COVID hit COVID hit the next day <laughs> yeah yeah i exactly. mean i was the last person they signed that i'm for you know a year probably it was literally just like as soon as i signed COVID hit and it was just like you know pause uh <laughs> so nervous. how how scary was that for you as an artist who's just signed who's finally got his big break i mean i, re- I remember calling brett and being like well we're getting dropped <laughs> you right. know like they're because you, you, you hear everybody, you know, everybody's losing all, all their employees, you know, like all these things. And luckily I'm at a big, I'm at a big label and uh, they could cover, cover their, uh, and they kept me and uh, they didn't even, they wasn't even, they wasn't even, they weren't even thinking about dropping me. It was just me being internally paranoid about it. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we put out some music right in the middle of COVID and uh, when it, and I like to look at it like everyone was listening and it worked out and uh uh my goal my goal personally just my own personal goal not you know this is definitely not a label goal but i was like i, w- I would love to get a million streams in a year it was like that was my like end goal end game goal for me i was <laughs> i was happy with you know like that was, and and we hit and we, we got way more than that and it was uh it was awesome you know i mean i'm super i love my team i love my uh i love sony i love rc i'm at rca now and it's it's a uh, it's a uh, we're moving and how cool was that throughout 2020 to have your music hit so well, not e- not only the first EP, Dirt Boy Volume 1, but also you put out a couple of demos later in the year, or this year, I guess it was, you put out a couple of demos that really hit. And so you a- were able to release them. And so without even 
you know, touring and getting your music out there? What was it like to have that support within a year that was so crazy? Well, we, like, I mean, when I signed my deal, I had a thousand, a thousand friends on Facebook, I think, and, like, or, and Instagram, you know, most people have 300,000 when they sign a record deal, you know, so like that was my challenge and, and Sony's challenge for me. It's like, well, we got to build your fan base up like fast, like really fast. And uh, so TikTok is huge, you know, and uh, COVID was TikTok was huge during COVID. So that, that was my end. And everyone, everyone's releasing songs. And everybody compares to you to everybody else, you know, when you're, when you, when you have nothing. And at the time I had nothing. So everybody said, well, so-and-so was doing this. Maybe you should try this. You should try this. And I was like, well, I don't, I ain't dancing. That's nobody wants to see me dance. <laughs> uh, so I was like, you know, I, I might just, TikTok's very raw. You know, they want to see raw, uh, raw stuff. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sing in my truck or something. And, and I, I put out, it was Valentine's day, I think. And I put out, uh, a song that I that I originally wrote for Florida Georgia Line to try to get them to cut. Um, whenever I got my FGL cut, I wrote, um, you know, I spent a couple months writing more FGL songs trying to get FGL cut. <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, but that song kind of always stayed with me. I, I like that song a whole lot. And I, I put it in my first leak and it took off. And like next, I mean, it was like, it was like 80,000 followers on TikTok in one day or something, like something crazy. And I'm like, wow, TikTok is an animal. And, uh, and Sony was happy with that. So we put that song out and it did something. And then I wrote a song about moonshine, <laughs> but it, it's, it's going to be on the volume two that's coming out next week. So I'm excited about it. I love Hooch. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And the one thing that surprised me was Dirt Boy. I thought that was going to be more of a track based song, like some of your no. previous stuff, but it's more in the traditional country vein, which kind of surprised yeah, I mean, me. It, it just, that song, when we wrote it, it just is what it, it can't really go. It's one of those, some songs can go and do a lot of crazy things and some songs can't. And that's one of them. like, it, it just feels right the way that it is. And, uh, we kind of left that one all like a lot more live based. You know, I do, I know I do a lot of crazy stuff, uh, in the studio and I like, I like progression. And I like, I love, I grew up on hip hop too, but uh, at the same time, uh, that's country. And it's like my story, you know? So like it, you know, and it, and it was my, like my least pick of like, what people would actually want to hear but we've been on the road with 10 penny and it's like our it's a by far our best live song we play it's the one that uh it's really showing me that it's uh got good potential and will probably i mean is gonna be my first radio single nice and get up and get it when you wrote that song did you have your dad in the back of your mind for that one <laughs> uh it, it was kind of like me you know like like the story my story of growing up learning like it's like I, when i picture me as a kid like learning to work on the farm it's kind of like the first verse of that song and it's just i, I wanted to but i wanted a hot track for dirt boy volume two i, I, I love hot tracks and i was like and i was like, i really and wanted a hot track and i had an idea called get it and i and i don't know what i don't know what that was but i went in that day and we, we came out with get up and get it and i didn't i wasn't like it, it, I felt like a lot of stuff I was doing at the time, so I didn't really know, but I just got a lot of really good feedback from it. And, and uh, now it's one of my favorites, man. It's my, it's, our, it's my show opener. That's awesome. And how confident are you in the music you make in having that diversity on your album, in having those track-based songs and having those more traditional country songs and being able to blend it all together? Uh, well, me personally, I, my personal opinion is that a country music to me is the lyric that's involved with it. Uh, has nothing to, to me. Country music is not the the, the 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 instruments being played. It's the what what the person is saying. It's about the story and the lyric of it. 
And so you'll never hear me not write a country song. It's, my lyric is because that's all I am. So like my music, my, my, it might not sound what, what you're used to as a country music song, but uh, lyrically it's country as a guest through and through. And so to me, if, and in my eyes, if that ain't country, then well, then you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> but, but, but to me, I mean, there ain't, there's nothing more country than what I'm saying, you know, and most, and, and majority of my songs. That's awesome. And before we go, I have to ask you about skew. skew. Where did that come from? What was the first moment that that came out of your mouth? I said that my whole life, really. I didn't think nothing of it. I was, I was actually in Arizona a couple of years ago, the same, the same riding retreat. And uh, one of my co-riders, Terry Joe Box, was like, what is skew? What is that? What is that? And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, it's like, hell yeah. What do you say? It's like, cool. Uh, like, you know, yeah, skew. And she was like, I've never heard that. Is that a thing? And so we, she Googled it randomly and she was like she started busting out laughing she was like and, and so on urban dictionary it said a word commonly used in mcminnville tennessee <laughs> and, it, and it just stuck with me everything like, ever since then it's just been a thing and uh it's really taken off to, i mean i i it wasn't even a thing until like i put it i put it in one song i think and then everybody it's just it's, it's became a thing and now it's just my little trademark you know it's a little you know everybody's skewing in the crowd the whole crowd's going skewed throughout the whole song the show it's it's it's, it's becoming a thing i guess well, exactly. And I know that Granger Smith, he's another artist who has, he has a yee yeah, yeah, yeah. and he has talked about the fact that that sort of, when he came up with that, you can see, sort of see the trajectory of how that helped him um, yeah. in the well, tra- it's a brand, trajectory. It's a branding, you know, it's just a brand. It's right. a branding thing. It's a, I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't come up with skew, but it's uh it's what I, it's just something I say that I guess a lot of people ain't never heard so i'll take the i'll take the credit for it <laughs> and i'm i think that granger has trademarked yee yee he tried to anyways i don't know if he oh yeah for sure did, he has. but yeah he did. Uh, have you looked into that for skew is that something oh, I, oh, that I got it. it's, it's, oh, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome and like granger are we gonna maybe see an alter ego created at some point surrounding that uh, I, I wouldn't go that far i don't i mean one one step at a time i mean <laughs> I mean, I do love, I love, uh, I love it, uh, his, his alter ego, but, but at the same time, I, I don't see me doing that right now. No, uh, I don't feel like I don't, I, um, I can just be, be me I mean, I, uh, right now. That is awesome. Well, we're running out of time. Congratulations on the new EP dirt boy volume two and congratulations on all the success that you've seen, you know, over the past year and a half, two years, it's amazing to see. And I'd love to have you back on in a little while once the EP comes out and we see some more music to uh, talk to you more about, about your journey. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. So that was a, that was a cool uh, follow through with it. Um, I, I enjoyed it, bro. I appreciate you. Thank you once again so much for joining us and thank you to Drew for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out his new EP, Dirt Boy Volume 2, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends or family or neighbors to come on over and have a listen. Thanks so much once again for joining us and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.